0: Welcome to the Connected Communication podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Molani. Have you ever been sitting beside a campfire or inside on a cold winter's night beside a fire and thought, "Mm, I'd love a marshmallow now to toast? that flame-bitten, soft, squishy goodness of pure sugar that you remember from your childhood. If you were allowed them in your childhood, of course. I'm talking about marshmallows because during my conversation with today's guest, the topic of the marshmallow experiment came up and I talked about having been a marshmallow baby. (laughs) You'll learn a bit more about what I mean there as you listen to the episode. But I realised, listening back to it, that we didn't actually talk about what the experiment was, so anybody who's listening might get a bit confused in the middle. I figured, therefore, that I would start the episode by briefly explaining the marshmallow experiment. If you haven't heard of it, or even if you have, maybe you haven't heard the couple of bits and pieces that I'm going to share now, it was an experiment done in the 1970s by Stanford researchers. It was actually done in two different schools of study in Stanford at two different times with different children. The simplest way to explain the experiment is that they took children, put them in a room, put a marshmallow in front of them on a plate and said, wait until I come back to eat that marshmallow. And if you wait, I'll give you two. If you don't wait, you don't get another one. And of course they put in different controls in the study. One of the controls was actually very interesting in my opinion was based on trust. For one of the control groups they had been given an unreliable promise before the experiment. The other group had been given a reliable promise. So I can only presume that the unreliable promise was that I will come back and then I will give you something and then the person didn't come back after the period of time that they said versus I'll come back and then I'll give you something and they did come back and give them something. So therefore confirming trust and eroding trust. They went back after 10 years to the parents of the children who'd been in the experiment to try to ascertain about uh, more information about their development, their cognitive development and willpower and capacity. What they found was that 10 years later, the children who had exercised more restraint in the initial studies were reported as being more competent by their parents. Now, take from that what you will. It's research, for one thing, and there's always flaws in research. And parents may report their children as more competent anyway. But that was one of the interesting parts of the study, and a lot of what gave it its bolstered support for a number of years. There have been challenges to it over the years as well, uh, some of them culturally related. So when they repeated the experiment with Japanese subjects versus American subjects, They used an unopened gift and a marshmallow. And in this case, the Americans did better with the unopened gift, not opening the gift, basically, delaying gratification, waiting for it. Uh, Whereas the Japanese subjects did better by not eating the marshmallow. And what they found, again, when talking to parents, was that Japanese parents reported making their children at times wait longer for meals than the American subjects would have. And culturally, Americans would be more used to not opening presents immediately because, for example, if you think about when you've been at your birthday, all the kids are there, everybody comes and you don't open your presents immediately in front of everybody, you wait and you open them later. So that's the idea of the marshmallow test. Again, as I said, the reason I'm explaining it is because you'll hear me talk about a little bit of my experience being a marshmallow baby with my daddy when I was growing up. Now, Just before we begin, let me share with you a little bit about my wonderful guest today. This is the last episode in the less controlled and contained episodes, or maybe I might say less specifically focused episodes that I am hosting for a little while. We're coming up to the six month episode next week, which I'll talk again a little bit about later in the podcast and moving into a totally different realm of discussion and conversation that I'm very excited to move into. Today, I'm speaking to a lady who is in our podcast group, our podcast collective, and whom I've been chatting with on and off through social media and different networking groups for a number of months, but had never actually met. She shares her take on the bullshit essentially, she says, is motivation, and how discipline is really what's required. She shares her own experience of overcoming anger, rage, and the loss of loved ones through exercise, through shifting her, mind sh- her mindset, and challenging rage in other directions, so that she can better regulate her emotions, not burn any bridges, and move herself through what she doesn't like to call a journey (laughs) towards achieving goals that she may have felt were a little bit out of reach at times before. We talk about belief versus fact, humans, tribes and connections and she shares some pretty shocking statistics on the rate, the incredibly high rate of loneliness in the United Kingdom. Talks about a little bit of the the impact of COVID on these loneliness rates and the work that she does to help people facilitate better conversations with themselves, to step into the ability to set boundaries, to understand when wanting to be alone is connected with trauma and when it's actually connected with needing your own space and what you can do if you are someone who feels lonely and wants to help yourself move out of it. On the podcast today I have wonderfully wise for her still relatively young age, Natalie Bailey. Motivation is a lie, you recently said. I didn't watch the video because I wanted to hear it from
1: your mouth. Why you said that?
2: Because it is a lie. Motivation is a lie. It's a myth. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Well, okay, it does exist, but not in the way that I think most people see it. So, someone recently said to me, "How are you so motivated to go to the gym every day?" And I said, "I'm not. Even though I love the gym, there are days I don't want to go because I'm tired. Like I don't sleep well, or something else is going on, or there's like loads and loads of work that needs doing. But I go to the gym because I know it makes me feel good." I know the results that I'm I'm after, and I'm disciplined to do it. So when people say, oh, I haven't got the motivation, I say, you don't need the motivation. You need the discipline. And that comes from creating the habit. You can sit and watch motivational videos on YouTube as much as you like. That doesn't – it might light a fire in your belly, but unless you actually take the action, nothing's going to happen. So you can sit there and be motivated on your sofa, or you can be disciplined and take the action.
0: Okay. Okay. So if you think then you have the discipline, what makes you go if it's not motivation?
2: I know how good I feel when I'm out of the gym and I like the challenge of seeing how much more I can lift this week than last week or what new thing can I do? And knowing that I've got a goal to hit, like in On the 7th of October is my birthday. The day before that, we're flying to Vegas. So I've got a goal to get holiday ready. And that's what what drives me to go. And I spent a long time packing on a lot of muscle. And with that comes extra fluff. Um, (laughs) Love
0: that word. That's a great way to say it.
2: (laughs) I'm, I'm releasing the fluff in order to show the hard work and dedication that I've put, put into creating the physique that I've created. Okay. So the discipline comes from, one, I know I'm going to feel good. Two, I know my brain's going to function better. Three, I know I'm not going to be angry. <laughs> because I got a, something really annoyed me the other day. And I don't get very angry very often anymore because I go to the gym and I take it out in there, any frustrations. And I was so annoyed. And I was just like, I've got to go. I've just got to go. And I was like, sod the cardio. I'm going to go lift as heavy as I possibly can. And I got that rage out. And then I was able to deal with that situation in a much more polite way than if I hadn't gone and, and done that. So I know it's good for my mental health
0: and for how I communicate with other people. Okay, nice. So we're threading back into the communication there. There's a part of me that wants to push back a little bit on the motivation and sort of say, would you not consider the goal of going to to Vegas, of showing the muscle, of knowing how good you're going to feel as being motivation? So I think about it from a neuroscience perspective, desire and motivation go hand in hand. So when we have a desire for something more, we're motivated towards it. Would you not argue that the, the, the knowing how you feel is a desire, so therefore it's motivation?
2: I can see what you're saying.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, the desire, definitely. I don't think desire and motivation are the same thing. Right. You can really want something really, really badly. Like, say you're on a diet and you've got a goal and you really desire to eat the piece of the whole, or the whole cake, right? But you don't because you've got the goal. The hmm. desire is still there. But the drive to eat it, it doesn't
0: happen because you know you've got the goal. All right. I'm with you. So motivation with that action. Yeah. Is nothing. Yeah. It's sitting on the couch or looking at the cake. Yeah. Uh, you make me think of a quote that I have on my fridge. When I live in Spain.
1: <laughs> where <laughs> I am not now.
0: Uh, let me let me try and remember it. I, I don't know who wrote it, but it is. Mm. Enjoy learning about desire by not fulfilling it. Like it comes delayed, from a book on addiction.
2: Like it's like right. delayed gratification. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Marshmallow, marshmallow, marshmallow test. Not know what they, they call it? <laughs> yeah. It's a very famous study that was done in the 1950s uh, by psychologists where they put children in a room and put marshmallows on a plate and said, nah, Oh, you, yes. You know that one? Yeah, Yeah. And I grew up. I was literally a marshmallow test baby. My dad would actually say to us, marshmallow, marshmallow, Christine. And marshmallow meant delay
1: your gratification there. Wait. Oh. Didn't necessarily like work. That. For that's
2: that's, that's, um, that's a, a hard lesson to
0: give to children. Did that
2: serve you well as an adult?
0: As an adult? At times, as a teenager, I'm not going to say necessarily yes. I quite liked fulfilling my desires. Truthfully, I still do. But now I understand the difference between desire and discipline, as you exactly say. Do I want that full piece of cake? Because I've lost over 25 kilos in my life. When I was much younger, I was very overweight. Uh, Yeah, do I want the full cake? Yeah, of course I do. Am I disciplined enough not to have it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go out instead, just like you say. Yeah. So I hear you. Yeah. Let's go back to then what you said about communication and anger. That was really important. Yeah. So you, you've, you've found a way to communicate with yourself in the gym that allows you then to manage your emotions. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, it's made me a nicer person. I used to be very angry. I used to think the world was against me. Nothing went right. And no matter what I did, just things didn't work. And people just wanted a piece of me. And they'd get it.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> um, Maybe not the piece good. that they thought they were going to get. No, <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then the more I went through life and... I fell back in love with the gym. So I've been in the gym since I was 16, 17. And then I did the Magaluf party scene for four years. Now, in that time, I exercised because I was dancing every night. Yeah. Right? So I still looked good. It's a different I did a type deal- of diet. <laughs> different kind of diet. I was on a very, very, very different kind of diet, <laughs> which I am not anymore. Um, so then... Figuring out that I had all of this rage, so I lost all of my grandparents in the space of four years. And the, the, first, the first two of them, like it took everything out of me. I lost the plot. And mm-hmm. um, I ended up smashing up one of my friends' bars, like throwing stuff around because I had all of this rage and grief and anger. And what was that doing? That was exerting energy. And from there, In 2014, I went and retrained as a PT, a personal trainer, and found that it has so many benefits for your mental health, as well as what, not just what, you know, what you look like, or you can, you're physically fitter. So I've taken that rage and channeled it into the the gym, which means that I'm not a horrible person very often.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you're never a horrible person. Well,
2: I, I, I used to be. I'm not anymore, and I'm able to know and understand what's going on. Mm. So if I feel that emotion coming up, sometimes like you have to feel it. You have to let it sit, and you know you don't have to. You can't be positive all of the time. It's impossible. So you're going to be stressed. You're going to be annoyed. You're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. Allow yourself to feel the feeling and then find something that's going to change your state. So like I did the other day, I went to the gym, I lifted heavy shit, and then I felt better and I was able to craft a better response to the message that I got that pissed me off.
0: Nice, nice.
2: And anybody can do that with any kind of exercise, activity. It might be going and clearing your head with a walk. For us who love fame, you know, going and putting your feet in the sea makes a massive difference. So it's not necessarily always about exercise. It's changing your state so that you understand how best to talk to, talk to and with people. Hmm. Because otherwise you can burn bridges and there's it's just not, it's not necessary.
0: Great. Yeah, really great advice there. So what I'm hearing there is it's not necessarily that you need to go and push yourself in the gym, lift really heavy weights, go and stand in the sea. Go for a walk. Just redirect the mind in some way. Take yourself from the narrative network, uh, from the anger, from the limbic system response into more direct experience. Calm it down. Not going to send that message just yet. I'll send it later. Yes, yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely, And is this something that you do in your work with clients? You, I know you are very big on helping people to stop holding themselves back, to overcome their, I think it's you say, your own self-limiting beliefs because they're stopping themselves from fulfilling their true potential. So how does that come come into your work then?
2: Yeah, so we look at what's going on in life. Why are you where you're currently at? Because we we all have a path and a journey. I'm not a fan of the the name journey, but it is what it is.
0: Okay, but I'm the total opposite there. I, I walked the Camino last year. For me, it's an absolute journey. But I've always lived my life like a journey. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. And
0: I go in different directions all the time. But I, this I just, is about I, you.
2: I, I feel like, I think because I see it so often or hear it so often, for me, it's like, oh, here we go again. But actually, it is part of your story. So, you know, figuring out why you're, why you're at where you're at. And then we look at what's happened up until that point. Where Did you hold yourself back? Why did you hold yourself back there? What was going on? And then how do we address that so that if a similar situation comes up, you know how to deal with it better. And I believe that we need to go through the struggles and the tribulations and things like that in order to teach us to be stronger people and to be able to have a better relationship with ourselves allows us to have better relationships with other people. Yeah. So yeah. helping people to like truly understand, connect with themselves and like their inner self, that inner confidence, and also that inner child, and learning how to relearn things and through play and things like that. Like what's going on? Why? Why is we as adults like? Why do we just suddenly become so serious and that like, there's no fun and exploration and discovery? So that's what we do. We discover. We play. We you know, on um, my last retreat, one of the tasks was a
1: treasure
0: hunt. Love that. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Great fun. And so bringing in the play element, making life a little bit less serious, but at the same time, reflecting on and addressing things that may be blocking us from our childhoods, from certain beliefs that we have had throughout our lives and understanding that so the next time we can do something differently.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, a belief is not a fact mm. Unless it's a fact Like if I believe that I'm really great at roller skating At the moment I'm not I'm shit Because I'm new And I'm just starting this thing Right Did you, I don't know if you saw
0: my, my I video. saw something with you putting on Some boots Is it roller skating or rollerblading? Skates, yes Skates, yes I used to love roller skates oh. So for anyone who's listening, she's showing me her roller skates, which go beautifully with your top actually. I do, actually,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I have a pair of roller skates as well. I haven't put them on in years. I don't know where I've put them. I was a really fantastic really skater good. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like that down one. on one leg and sticking oh, my foot out. Oh, brilliant. Love I love that you're doing I that. used
2: to, I, I roller bladed as a kid. Couldn't I, do them. I, I said to my mum, do, do we still have them? So I had two pairs. And my feet are the same size as when I was
0: eleven, so super <laughs> but- <laughs> happy days. So you can buy the kid size runners in the shops that are twenty quid cheaper. <laughs> I used to do that. <laughs> so,
2: but they weren't. I think we went to a charity shop, so I bought these and thought, oh well, if I could blade when I was a kid, surely like, to, but no.
1: Mm-mm. So
2: it's that that belief system. If you can believe that you're crap at something. You can also believe that you can become good at it. So it's not a fact for me to say, oh, well, I believe I'm great at skating. Well, because I'm not. But if I turn that around into I will be great at it one day, that helps to overcome that that barrier of, oh, i really shit. I can't show anybody that I'm really shit, which is why I put that video out.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. to
2: show people that I,
0: I learn things too. <laughs> yeah, we, we are all learning machines. I think the day we, yeah. for me anyway, the day I stopped learning is the day I'm gone. I said that to somebody yesterday. A quick little interlude, listeners, before we continue. Just to remind you that next week is the six-month anniversary of the Connected Communication podcast. Now, over the past six months, I know it's chopped and changed a little bit. Things have been a bit of an exploration for me like with anything when we're first learning to do it we try things we do some th- some things differently some we continue some we drop so i'm grateful to any of you who have continued along this six month journey with me stick with it we're not going anywhere the next phase of the podcast is going to thread a little bit back to language accent bias i'm speaking to people who've had difficult experiences and come through those difficult experiences with getting jobs, rising in their careers and understanding people in boardrooms, in executive suites, in presentations and in meetings because their first language isn't English. But to celebrate six months, I'm speaking to a wonderful woman who's at the forefront of the revival of the Irish language. She's going to share with us some beautiful turns of phrase that we have, Asgwailga. In Irish, how they influence the way we speak English in Ireland, our Hiberno English. We might convince you that Hiberno English needs to be a language of its own, not a dialect of the so-called British English or American, from which it is so different. So join us next week, myself and Molly, kind Jasquelia, speaking a little bit of Irish, sharing some of our phrases and the magical words that influence how we think and speak in our beautiful land of era. Now, back we go to Natalie. Can I go back to what you said about the journey then, if you don't mind? If it's not a journey, what is it? Just life. Can I argue with that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> a nice simple right. one. <laughs> Just, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. Okay, so when then you're talking through stuff like this, because for me, coming up kind of in the coach thought here, I do similar things with my clients. A lot of it is about confidence as well and, and limiting beliefs and behaviors. When stuff comes up for people that isn't necessarily to be dealt with by a coach or in that kind of environment, what do you find helps them in that moment?
2: Yeah, so it obviously all depends on what it is. Um, which is why we do one-to-one as well as group stuff because mm. some things you just aren't ready to talk about in a group environment, Yeah, um, and that's okay. And if I don't know the answer, I'll know somebody that does so I can direct them to somebody else, whether that's that they need, and there's a lady at the moment needs some hypnotherapy for something that I can't tap into because that's not my skill set. Um, So we talk through what it is, what are the options, can I help you or is it that you need referred to somebody else?
1: And I think that's
2: the the beauty of having a really good network and really good relationships with people in this space so that you can collaborate. I'm not all about competition, I I compete with myself so I don't stage compete, but Because I don't want to stand on a stage and have my body compared to another another woman's. I want to empower. And if I can collaborate rather than be in competition with, I'd much rather do that and Mm -hmm. refer people to the right people for that specific thing.
0: Nice. Nice. I know that you do something else in in your mission and I've heard you talk about it a couple of times before on, on interviews and in podcasts and that is to combat loneliness. So you have a, a message about being better together. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Well, people need people. So, mm. you know, human beings, we come from tribes and we've always been in tribes and what, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, but you know, stuff like that. And, um, And when I first looked into this, and this is partly why I talk so much around confidence, because a lot of loneliness stems from a lack of self-esteem and a lack of confidence to go and create relationships. Mm. So five years ago, there were 9 million people in the UK that spoke out about being lonely. That's now at 27 million. And that's only the people that have said something. So if you think about the past three years and how we were forced into isolation are forced apart and the rise of social media and people thinking they're connected, but they're actually looking at their phones all the time and not connecting with people in real life. That number is probably huge. And this isn't just the UK, this is global. And it's not just the elderly, it's the young, it's every through every generation. And this is why I help people to connect with themselves first, so they understand themselves so they can have better relationships with other people. And it is important to have a support network to call your parents if they're around. And like, if my nan and granddad and my other nan were still here, I'd still be on the phone for them like nearly every other day, every other day. And when you lose people and you feel that grief from their loss and you understand what that's like, I don't want other people to feel that because I know it hurts and it's not a nice, not a nice space to be. And so we do do what I can to bring people together. That's so why we have the different um, the groups and the clubs and stuff to, to bring people together. And I'm in other communities, and I will do what I can to help people within reason um, right. to help. Sarah, people, have to
0: have boundaries, um, yeah.
2: to bring people together and and really have a place where you can facilitate great conversation. So I did a networking lunch the other week in London in collaboration with what I do and my people and my Joe Ratner friends group. Mm. And everybody that came, they loved it. They networked, they connected, they enjoyed the conversations. We got a couple of new members. um, And then the the relationships are going to come because of that, because I've been the glue to bring the people together. Mm. And I, I love that feeling of being able to see people like really enjoying themselves and having good conversations and coming whether it's a friendship or a business relationship and it just makes the world a better place because we are better together
0: think about how to respond to this because i kind of come from a different place (laughs) over the past year and a half particularly i'm hearing this a lot right we're better together yeah um what was the other one Oh, you need you need to collaborate and you need to do this, that and the other with other people. Now, I am all for connection, connected communication is the podcast. I love to network and I love to go to different events and talk to people and connect. But I am somebody who significantly values their time alone. Yeah. And so for me a big thing about confidence is yes the confidence to go out and build relationships to speak to new people to to connect with others but also the confidence to be alone yeah oh, 100% agree. In that space yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what what will come up for you there then what I'm saying I'm
2: that? I'm the same I'm very social but then I'm also get the hell away from it right yeah and and the relationships are important so that you and speaking about boundaries as well that people know when they can and can't connect with you. Like for me, sometimes on a Sunday, I don't pick my phone up at all mm. because it's just, it can be constant and I need that space and that time alone, which is why, partly why I go to the gym. I have a little chat with some people, but I've got my earphones in and music on and that's, that's me by myself. Yeah. I live by myself and I've lived by myself since I was 19. I can shut the door and like, no one's going to bother me. <laughs> yeah. But then when I do spend time with other people, I enjoy that. And then I need a bit of space.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I understand completely what you're saying. It makes sense. We need that time to decompress and think about things. And <laughs> be able to sit in your own company and be comfortable mm. is ultimate power.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think it's an important message because as I was coming out of that relationship I mentioned, and, and yeah. I, for anyone who's listening to the podcast that's new, uh, I left a very toxic relationship almost two years ago now, where my confidence had been in a place that I never thought my confidence would be in my life. It was so damaged. And I'm hearing all this stuff about being with other people and collaborating, doing this, these things. And at the beginning of coming out of it, because my confidence, confidence was so low, why do I not want to be with people? Why, why, do, why do I prefer to be alone more of my time than I like being with people? And I do actually prefer yeah. that, that, that other side of the balance. It's mostly to be with myself and then spend some time with people. Is there something wrong with me? Am I not like everybody else? And then as I healed... I was, no, hang on a second. It's perfectly fine for me to not want to be with people all the time. As long as I don't, as you said, isolate myself completely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key difference. But you find that as well, that it's, it's the difference between recognizing isolation because of fear or discomfort or lack of confidence and the comfort and confidence to be alone, but be able to step out.
2: Yeah, and there is a big difference. Mm. And if you're in a space where you're, you end up pushing people away, that's where then the loneliness kicks in. Mm. And that might be something that you don't actually recognise is happening. And then maybe you start to ask these questions after, after a while that you were asking yourself. Um, I'm really, really comfortable by myself. Like, I, I can entertain myself for hours. <laughs> really good fun.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I just bought some new gates. so <laughs> yeah, off we go. Apart from needing someone to film me for the socials, like I can do that by myself.
1: Yeah,
2: um, but yeah, there is, there is a difference, and I think there is a need to understand when you're
0: doing it for the right reasons. Sure. Absolutely. So if there's someone listening to this who finds themselves in a place of loneliness and a feeling that fear of stepping out, but they know that they want to or they they need to make a change, what would you say to them?
2: Other than um, get out of your own way, I know it's not as easy as that. Mm. So it's about taking small steps because, I mean, you can just go, just, you know, Just go, but it's not always that easy. You can just throw yourself in at the deep end and go. Right, I'm going to go and meet some new people at a a networking event, or I'm going to go join the gym because there's a the community of people of like minded people there, or finding a new hobby, and maybe don't do skating because that's quite a singular thing unless you've got a role in this. Don't you? (laughs) Um, taking up a dance class or something. Um but if it's difficult to go and do the big thing, like break it down into manageable steps. Like it might be that you start to find people online and then you do a small thing that's got a few few people at it rather than a big event. Because it can be daunting going into a space with a bunch of people you don't know. I went to a gig last week. I haven't been to a gig in I don't know seven years because the thought of being around thousands of people. Just made me go, oh no, no! And then I got there and I was like, oh, I can't believe it's been this long since I've done this. Like, I forgot just how much I enjoyed being at a gig and dancing, and then leaving as the last songs on, so you miss the crowd.
0: That's that's the, the clever. That comes with a bit of age, I think, as well. There, yeah. I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do think there's, there's always
2: all the gigs, mm. like every night and there's been some fantastic acts and just absolutely loved it Then, because i turned my life around and changed everything it just wasn't the kind of thing that i went to and didn't anymore so being able to go back into that environment and be in a comfortable place where i'm not looking for you know what and enjoy myself felt amazing
0: yeah for listeners that you know what is maybe uh extracurricular activities that people often do when they're younger or maybe even they're older as well. Maybe Lots of people be, yeah. don't stop and at dance festivals and events, that kind of thing yeah. that that you have, as you say, completely turned around in, in your life and I'm the same. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something there about forgetting that I, I'd love to touch on. I think we're hitting close to maybe the 30 minutes now. I didn't press the timer until 10 minutes in, I reckon. So we'll start to move towards the close. But you said when you got there, you said to yourself, oh, I can't believe it's been so long. I forgot how much I love these things. Same thing happened to me as I healed. You know, where are my clothes, my nice clothes? Why was I not wearing my nice clothes? Why did I get rid of them? I forgot how much I enjoyed putting this on or doing this. So that advice to people that you've just given Take it slowly, baby steps, get yourself out there in a way that's comfortable to you. Would you say also sometimes you'll be surprised?
2: Yes. And just, you know, put the shoes on and wear the dress and do your hair and you feel amazing. Yeah. Even if you just do it in your house to start and you don't leave or Mm. you just literally go for a five minute walk outside. You don't have to go full hog from the very off. And then those things will remind you what it felt like before right little steps one step if I break it down when I went um to the Cayman Islands I went scuba diving I've got fear of not having my feet on the ground but yet I love being in water and I was like I can't go all the way around the world and not scuba dive and I was terrified absolutely terrified and I was thinking okay I'm not getting I'm not getting in the sea but I am getting in the sea so I just broke it down what did I do first? I asked the guy for help. Like, I, I'm really scared. Can you help me, please? And then the next thing was learning how to put the goggles on, how to breathe through the snorkel. Then the next thing was, like, you know, I put a life jacket on. Then I walked to the end of the boat. So there's all these little steps before you do the, the big thing. And then by the end of it, I got in the sea, I was like, oh, my God, I've been missing out for so long.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. Simplified what the brain loves, breaking it down into small steps and just doing it one at a time. Yeah, you can look at the end goal, but if the end goal freaks you out, just go back to the very beginning. Yeah. Like children.
2: Yeah,
0: a little bit at a time. It's just baby learning to walk now and see
2: Exactly. Her. And if you fall over, it's fine. Get back up and try again.
0: That's it. That's it. And wear knee pads if you're on skates, yeah, just in pads, case.
2: Yeah, knee pads, should be, pads, I should probably get a helmet. <laughs> tooth guard, a lot.
0: A oh, tooth guard, they're probably a good one, yeah.
2: I know, I'm terrified
1: of breaking my teeth, I like my teeth.
0: Yeah, you should, they're lovely teeth. <laughs> right, fabulous. You've given so many nuggets of wisdom there in nice, simple ways. I ask people a question at the end of the podcast. Now, you have mentioned a few times connection, communicating with the self, uh, bringing in that self-awareness, really looking inside before going outside. Yeah. The podcast, as you know, is called Connected Communication. So what does Connected Communication mean to you? Oh, what a nice question. Nobody said nice before. Thanks.
2: (laughs) I don't do things like
1: everyone else. (laughs) That's why we're Um, talking.
2: Yeah to be honest it's a lot about i would say understanding yourself and how you want to then connect with others and allowing you yourself to feel the emotions that you feel so connected communication is you at your truest
0: purest form thank you for being here Coming on the podcast today, no, Natalie. We have not said your name. <laughs> actually. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, your name, of course, will be on the title of the podcast. What we are speaking, or I am speaking to Natalie. Arabella? Is it a double L like an Nella. A in Spain or Arabella? Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Natalie how can people find you How can they join your collectives And get some more
2: of this wisdom from you Yeah sure so if you search Natalie Arabella Bailey on any socials You'll find me I've got long red hair You cannot miss me
0: And, she, and she'll and she be on skates Roller skates and I'll either
2: be on skates or um, Showing the guns
0: Nice Nice <laughs> um, guns for anyone who's not sure Because my a lot of my target focus is people whose first language isn't English, so I, I try to bring in what I do. Yeah, The muscles and <laughs> the arms that's the guns. <laughs> that's where the shoot, the shots come from nowadays, it's not from the it top. Is. Well, <laughs> unless it's necessary. <laughs> right, so any social media, Natalie Arabella Bailey. Uh,
2: you have a podcast too? I do, it's called Confidence Mastery. And um, if you go to my link tree, Forward slash Nasty Arabella Bailey, you'll find the list of all the socials and the podcast and um all of our groups on there as well.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. It has been such a pleasure talking to you and finally meeting you today. Yeah. I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to the next time we meet we'll Yeah, me talking. too.
1: Really Amazing. You
0: being on.
2: Yeah, oh, so nice. Thank you for having me. I have very much enjoyed it. So thank you to the listeners for listening.
0: I hope you've enjoyed it too. Absolutely. That is what I will always close with. Thank you for listening. If you're new, if you've come back, thank you very much for being here. Please do like, subscribe, and share and get in touch with me or with Natalie if anything has resonated today. You want to subscribe to help you or you'd like to give out to us because you completely
1: disagree. We're okay. With that is fine. Well. Yeah, we'll have a debate. <laughs> yeah. As always, thank you for listening. Joanna, peace, obviously.